Hi everyone and welcome to episode 73 of SAMA, a program which invites experts to talk about their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Dr. Kelly Holderman as our guest expert to talk about phase 2.5 detox. Dr. Kelly Holderman has completed a family practice medicine internship with the University of Minnesota has a naturopathic medical degree from Kingdom College of Natural Health, where she is the current academic dean of students. She holds certification in methylgenetic nutrition by the Nutrigenetic Research Institute and certification from the American Functional Neurology Institute in Functional Neurology and Neurofeedback. During this interview, Kelly will share the three common phases of detoxification give an introduction to the phase 2.5 detoxification, the problems with many other detoxification protocols and strategies for supporting detoxification. So welcome to our show, Kelly. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Now, the first question I'd like to ask is, what is phase 2.5 detox? Sure. And before I answer that, I want to do a little review of the other phases of detoxification. So when we think of detoxification, we think of the majority being done by our liver. For simplicity's sake, let's, let's just focus on the liver as being the organ of detoxification. The kidneys do some and a lot, you know, all of our cells do a little bit. But in the liver, when the toxins enter in, they go through phase one detoxification if they haven't already. And that involves oxidation, hydrolysis, reduction, where the, the, the toxin becomes a little bit more reactive. And then it's passed on to phase two in the liver, where phase two will act upon that toxin to make it water soluble. So the point of getting that toxin through phase one and phase two is to make it water soluble so it can get into the bile. So liver goes into our bile, and then the bile will flow into our small intestine through our gut and then to be excreted. So that excretion, that is referred to as phase three. So if all those are working in tandem, phase one, two, and three, which they should be, you're going to have your toxin move through those and then into basically to the excretion in the toilet. And that's where we want toxins to go. We don't want them to build up. But during my research, and it was actually research that started on myself, I was um, in family medicine as a medical doctor, and I myself got very sick. And I, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I needed to find out the root cause because multiple sclerosis is, is not naming what's causing it. It's, it's the finding. So my diagnosis was actually Lyme disease. And when I went back and I looked at why, I possibly was set up to have a, a Lyme disease infection and that you know could be a whole other webinar. But I, I realized that I had some genetic weaknesses and one of those was how I was moving toxins out of my body. And so what phase 2.5 is, and this is very important, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over it twice. Phase 2.5 is, okay, so I just described how there's, there's phase one toxins and then they go to phase two. And the phase two are, are ready to get into the bile and then to get out of you know out through excretion. Well, phase 2.5 is the door through which the phase two toxins 
will exit to get into the bile. So be escorted in. So it's like a, it's like a door. And so when 2.5 is shut, what happens to those toxins that we just produced that are ready to go is that they go back into the blood wow. and we can experience what's called a Herxheimer reaction where we feel like fluish or we could, we could, we could experience just weight gain that we cannot get rid of the weight while our body's actually protecting us. Because if your toxins can't get through the 2.5 door, they can't get out. Mm. They're going to go back in your blood and you're actually going to gain weight to protect you because that's where our, our body stores toxins is in fat. So many things can shut down that 2.5 door and I'm sure we'll talk about those, but, but that's what that is. It's that, it's that door that escorts the toxins and also the bile. So bile is made in your liver and in order for the 2.5 door to work, you have to get, you have to make bile. You have to make bile to go with the toxins and you also need that bile to be fluid. So when we talk about bile stagnation where it's, it's sludgy, it's that, it's that some people, and then I started digging in genetic to the genetics, they have what's called a PEMT SNP. So SNP stands for single nucleotide polymorphism. That may be kind of stretching it with a lot of science there, but really what it's saying is that you may be susceptible to having your bile be sludgy and not be able to move. And when mm. you have that, again, those toxins go right back into your blood and you just, you're just toxic and, and a, a lot of different symptoms can come of that acne, um, hormonal issues. I mean, you, you name it when 2.5 is not working, when that door is not open, there's so many things that can go wrong. Gosh, I've got a few questions to ask. Um, first of all, um, it's, it's unusual that the body will make a toxin into something more toxic. In stage one. Yeah, in stage one it does. It makes it a little bit more reactive and it's almost tagging it because it knows it's going to go through phase two. Yes. And two makes it water soluble, yeah. So I'm hoping there's not much of a delay between stage one and stage two. It all happens yeah. in the same place. You absolutely, John, you need those balanced. And then a, a lot of practitioners will push phase one really hard and phase two can't keep up. And so you have a plethora of more reactive toxins. Wow. So, you know, one of the things that I talk about um, when I'm doing seminars and I'm teaching doctors, I'm telling them that you can't push phase one phase. You, first of all, you can't push one phase one and then lag on phase two. And we can talk about what pushes what. And then, and then second of all, if you're going to push phase one and phase two, wouldn't it make sense to make sure that the door is open? So that's <laughs> why Phase 2.5 comes first. Phase, optimizing phase 2.5 detox has to come first. And yes. we'll talk all about that. Okay. Now you're saying that some people have got a genetic susceptibility to the problem with stage 2.5 not being fully open. And so they've got to get rid of the toxins either through the body fat or through their skin, I guess, with the acne. Mm -hmm. How many, how much of the population are? genetically predisposed to this problem? That is a really great question. So I work with Dr. Bob Miller of the Nutrigenetic Research Institute. I'm actually on his board and I'm a researcher for them. And when we've done studies on Lyme disease patients, those of the, the sickest of the sick, 
we have found that they have issues with what's called acetylation. Acetylation is important in how we produce bile. So right off the bat, you have, you're looking at a population that, um, that, that's definitely very ill, and then you're trying to figure out which, which genetic polymorphisms they have in common, and one of those was pointing toward this phase 2.5 being compromised. Wow. Okay. It must have been devastating when you first succumbed to this toxicity uh, and being absolutely. diagnosed because multiple sclerosis is one serious condition. It's a, it's a one-way street. And I've seen on your website you standing in front of this audience. You obviously haven't got multiple sclerosis here. So you've overcome this. And there'll be many people who would also be given the same sentence when, in fact... It's something which is treatable. So I'd, I'd like to go through your personal story because this, this is intriguing. You've, you got this diagnosis and that prompted you to do research in this area. But how did you find the solution? So I was in the allopathic medical world. And when I was diagnosed, the options that I was given by my colleagues were that I should go home and be with my family and really take time to be with my children because it was basically a death sentence. Yes. And at that point in my life, it was a turning, it was a turning point where I knew that we, we do heroic things in medicine. Medicine saves people's lives on a daily basis. But when it comes to things such as MS and autoimmune disease, some of the things that we do are really not getting to the root cause of it. So I knew that, the treatment protocol that I was put on was a pill box, again, in a death sentence. And that wasn't good enough for me. And I knew that if I was going to have to heal myself, I needed to step away from allopathic medicine and I needed to go back and get a naturopathic medical degree. And with that degree, I started learning about things such as nutrition, things that I never learned about in traditional medical school. And I started to apply these foundational principles and I clawed my way out step-by-step step of that chronic disease hole. And I, I actually, I did so well and I recovered 110% that we had our third child after I was diagnosed with MS, after I was diagnosed with Lyme, because my body was even better equipped. And, and he's, my, our last child, he's two and a half, he, he doesn't have any midline defects. Like we really optimize my body, his, you know, his genetics. We worked with everything and we have just this beautiful, beautiful little boy who um, is a testament to our bodies can heal, our bodies can, and I think that your audience understands that. And we just need to, we need to find out root causes, we need to look at foundations of health, nothing trumps nutrition and um, good water and rest and peace, there's nothing that can trump that, no supplement, no medication can um, substitute for those, so I, I really... Um, in my practice, I'm, I'm really serious. I take that very seriously about um, leaning on our, our body's own ability because the body is amazing. How much is taught about nutrition for allopathic doctors? Not a whole lot. <laughs> because we are hours. made, we are, we, we are constituents of what we eat. There's nothing else inside us. Our cells are truly what we eat. Right. So surely it's a little bit important to watch what 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 enters your body. <laughs> Absolutely. 
with your success, you've obviously got friends who are also allopathic doctors and researchers. My husband is an allopathic doctor. <laughs> what impact has your recovery had on their outlook on medicine? I, I think I give people hope. I, I really do. And I never, I never set out, you know, all of this, this entire journey still, it's still amazing to me that I went through what I went through. I was given tools at the right time. People came into my life at the right time and told me mm. about various things. And I listened to podcasts of, of people, of, of people who thought outside the box and people who, who weren't, um, weren't satisfied with their diagnosis. People like Terry Walls, Dr. Terry Walls, um, they were inspiring. And I think that that's what, that's what looking at my story can do for people is that I never, I never gave up. And I, and I really look back and I, I know I recovered. And part of it was because I optimized phase 2.5 detoxification. That was key. And I didn't have a name. Phase 2.5 detoxification didn't have a name six months ago. I named it that because it needed a new name to get people's attention. And it needs, again, it needs to come first. So can we talk, can we talk a little bit about what shuts down 2.5? Yes, perfect. Perfect time for okay. that. So the number one thing that shuts down phase 2.5 detoxification is inflammation. So there's channels that transport those toxins through that, that phase two toxin into the bile. And those transporters are actually pulled from the membrane. They, so they're just plucked out. They're not even there anymore when we're under state of inflammation. So really one of the first things that I do is I look for, first of all, because I, I'm very interested in genetics and I'm certified and I'll go looking for patterns to see if a person is susceptible to having more infl inflammation. Is that one of their smoking guns, as Bob Miller would say? Is that something that we need to look at? So if you're inflamed, if your CRP is high, your homocysteine is high, if there's a lot of different things going on, and um, if you wanna learn more about that, I, I created a, a, a class, an online class, and John, you and I will talk about that class, but the inflammation has got to be taken care of, whether that's from your bad gut, whether that's from stress, there's a lot of different things that has to be taken care of first before you do any detox protocol. I, I hear from countless clients and patients, I was put on this detox protocol and I feel worse and I gain weight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you did because you're inflamed and your 2.5 door is completely closed. Mm -hmm. Another thing that will shut down 2.5 is endotoxins from a bad gut. So let's say you're not that inflamed, but your, your gut is a mess. So mostly when your gut's inflamed, you, you, are, you are under a lot of inflammation. But if your gut is not right, the foundation of health, that, that 2.5 door is shut. So making sure that you're optimizing gut function, that you're making sure that you're under a care of a practitioner who understands how to uh, treat a leaky gut, treat SIBO, um, or even just a, work with you to optimize, that's really important. Um, excess estrogen, bad estrogens will shut down 2.5. Okay. And we talked about a lack of um, fluidity. So the PEMT SNP will, will cause possible decreases in uh, phosphatidylcholine. And phosphatidylcholine is a nutrient we can get from food. So a lot of people who have bile problems, who have Lyme disease, chronic illness, including me, we have terrible PEMT. So we need to, to have a, um, 
a good amount of phosphatidylcholine from our diet. What foods have got a high content? Eggs and almonds and beef. Um, there's a list. Um, just you can just Google, but oh, the okay. and you can supplement with um, phosphatidylcholine as well. Right. Okay. Uh, there's a few questions that have come through. They're from sure. the same person. It's from a good friend, Chaffee. Um, he's asking. Well, maybe you could you may be answering this later on during the discussion. But he's asking, what is the best method to detox glyphosate, our wonderful uh, miracle um, <laughs> chemical, uh, and or pesticides out of the brain and the body? I guess if you've got your two point five open, then your body can the natural processes of the body. Or well, is that correct? That is correct. I would say that, and I, I. I just want to let everyone know I'm not here to give medical advice, but what we are talking about is the biochemistry of the body. And mm -hmm. I believe that if we support the natural biochemistry of the body, if we can get that right, our bodies are smart enough to detox from pretty much anything we can throw at it. Um, glyphosate is, is definitely an issue. Definitely another reason why we'd want to optimize phase 2.5 detoxification, but excellent question. Do you think that it's worse now than a generation ago with the toxins more prevalent in our environment, man-made toxins in particular? I believe the research would, would support the fact that there are more chemicals in our environment and our biochemistry is not changing and not adapting fast enough. So we have to work harder and we have to figure out things like these processes in order to optimize them even more so in the world we're living in. Gosh, mm, yeah, fun times. <laughs> no. Mind you, a generation ago, we wouldn't have had the internet, so things would have been a bit more boring. Well, I don't know. You always got books, haven't we? Um, right. Same person, Chaffee, he's asking, uh, what are very popular detox protocols, as in foods, liquids, fasting, exercise, that one should do every day for detox? So was that is that a question or can he can you kind of rephrase that? Okay, well, he's, I think he's asking, um, what what can one do during the course of a day or night for detoxification to help with the detoxification? Sure, definitely. There's studies, and I will post these to my website. That's Dr. Kelly Beat Lime. So D R K E L L Y B E A T L Y M E. There's a study that shows that, that that transporter, that that transporter will stabilize with caloric restriction, about 35% caloric restriction. I'm a big fan of time-restricted eating and also of fasting. Fasting will raise blood levels of toxins, of xenobiotics. So okay. I'm also a fan of, of binders, intestinal binders, because if you're going to liberate more toxins, you want to give your body an insurance policy so that it's really binding in your gut, those toxins, and then getting them out. Yes. So um, just simply using you know, a, 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 more, a tighter window of, of eating, which, which kind of naturally brings your caloric intake down a little bit. Um, and then if you're a candidate for fasting, I feel like those are really helpful things um, you can do on a daily basis definitely, you know, green leafy vegetables for normal detoxification. There's also an excellent paper 
that uh, again, I will, I will put on my website and it talks about which foods specifically will help phase two detoxification and phase one. And it's everything from ribose tea to artichokes to dandelion to bitters. So Again, I, I think that we can get this job done with food. I really do. Um, like I just said, bitters are something that um, are very, very helpful in, in having the gallbladder contract. But again, you know, check with your provider, check with, if, with the person who's taking care of you to make sure that that's something that's okay for you. Um, and then making sure your phosphatidylcholine status is, is, is adequate. So, you know, if you've had a history of cholestasis or, you know, gallbladder issues, um, you know, you might want to talk to your doctor about that and see if there's something you can do to, you know, even just with food, just bring those levels up. When you're talking about the foods, the supplements and the health things that you, you take to help with the bowel production in the phase one, phase two, it's sort of brought, um, the, well, what I'm trying to say is the diet today doesn't include any of those things. People don't like eating bitter products anymore. They like sweet. And so the trend is to add more and more sugars. And um, well, I weaned myself off sugar a few years ago. And now I just find things overpoweringly sweet. And I, you know, like I can't eat cereal from a supermarket, for example. Now I'd like to be given a choice. I thought, well, anyone can add sugar, but you can't take sugar out once it's been blended in and become part of a product. Is that part of the reason why the level of toxicity, toxicity in people has increased? Because their natural diet has changed? Yeah, I definitely think the addition of things like high fructose corn syrup has really placed a burden on our livers. Yes. I think that the, the diet, you know, rich in um, these artificial colors and, you know, and, and different chemicals have impacted our gut. And so yes. we're looking at gut inflammation and possible leaky gut food allergies and that all impacting detoxification by what I just talked about. So definitely I think that our, our diets have con contributed. And yes, no, no one really enjoys the foods that, that really support detoxification. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, you tell people to support phase two, broccoli sprouts have sulforaphane in them. Sulforaphane is a compound that is amazing. Just just go to PubMed and put in sulforaphane, and multiple studies will come back from everything from cancer to uh, you know just inflammation patterns. And but it's really hard to get people to eat it. They say it's really you know not not palatable. So there are pills that have sulforaphane in it. But I again I just I think that we need to get serious about our diets and getting the the nutrients we need from our food. I think people need to realize that if they are to get well, they've got to do a lifestyle change and they've got to, have to take the uh, the hard road to do it, do it the right way. That's right. There's no cheating. <laughs> no cheating, no shortcuts. Now, um, Chafia asks, what happens if one does not detox their body? And it's the worst case scenario where someone's in a toxic environment in the city, <laughs> no farmer's market to buy the produce from, so they get everything from the supermarket. Um, what would the results be if they don't open up their 2.5? So, it, yeah, I think that if you're you're not if your biochemistry, your natural biochemistry is is not working properly, you're going to have a, the toxins are just going to continue to go back into your body. 
Mm. And, you know, we're protected by our, our, our fat definitely will protect us, but we want to make sure that we're not, um, you know, we're, we're taking measures to help safely get those toxins out. So again, there's lots of things that, that we can do every, you know, thing from the caloric restriction and, and fasting and using intestinal binders to help, to help facilitate that. But, you know, we, we just, we, we, we want to be sure that we're being realistic and that we're not going to get every toxin out of our body. But if we don't, toxins can lead to DNA damage, which can lead to cancer and toxic burden can shut down again, um, normal function. It can put a, a huge burden on the kidneys, a huge burden on the kidneys. When the toxins are refluxing out, they can actually go back into the blood and go into the, the, the circulation that has to go through the kidneys. And, um, you know, it, it impacts the brain. You know, there, there's a lot of different systems that, and it's your, just your weakest link is, is what's going to, what's going to be the sequela from the toxic load. Hmm. So if someone loses weight, I'm on a diet at the moment. If someone, if you lose weight and the fat is getting, the cells getting smaller and smaller, are they releasing the toxins in the in your body? The toxins. So yeah, studies would studies would would um, support that when you are losing weight, you the level of xenobiotics in your blood is increasing. Oops. Okay. <laughs> You better have that 2.5 door open, John. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it's open or not. How can I tell if it's open? What are the, what are the signs? Yeah, so, that, so we look at things such as history of cholestasis, um, constipation, um, you know, gut issues, bloating, um, you know, just the overall malaise. Um, really, it's, it's, just, it's just so widespread that there's really not a questionnaire that I've even created that can say, oh, you have a broken 2.5. It's more of a, a really um, a, a, a good practitioner looking at the whole gist of everything. And I would make the assumption that a lot of the people in my care who have chronic illness, their 2.5 is probably not working. So we're gonna go after things like inflammation. We're really gonna go after it. I love to support the NERF2 pathway, the NRF2 pathway that naturally upregulates our own production of glutathione, superoxide, uh, dismutase, and catalase. And the best way I've found to do that is with hydrogen water, hydrogen, molecular hydrogen. Again, if you go to PubMed, the science uh, behind molecular hydrogen is, is phenomenal. And that's a very natural way to help, help lessen the inflammation on the body. And then you look at all the other foundational things they're doing. You look at everything from smoking, diet, um, you know, stress, you know, sleep and, and you optimize those, but you're definitely, there are some, some things that, um, I really, I really do think that are very helpful and hydrogen water is one of them. Hydrogen water. How can it be made or do you have to buy hydrogen water? So there are machines such as the echo machine by Synergy Science. And that is a machine that, that provides you with, with, um, hydrogen water, or you can buy hydrogen tablets as well. So those you just drop into water and you, and they dissolve and then you can, Drink the hydrogen water, and um, and, it, and it will upregulate the nerve two pathway. Healthy, fizzy, fizzy stuff. That's <laughs> yeah, it's great. I hope it's flavored. <laughs> Probably flavored with something bitter, right? <laughs> it, it actually really it doesn't taste. So you know, even my two year old doesn't mind drinking it. So right, right. Um, Jeffy's asked a question: um, Are there some elements in the environment now? 
which are really hard to get rid of using the normal pathways for toxin, toxin removal in the body. Are they like, I guess, heavy metals will be. Yeah, um, the things that are, are lipophilic, so they're fat loving. They want they want to stick around in the body, and they need to be really they need to be significantly biochemically changed to get them out of the body. So yes, things like heavy metals are definitely um, one of the things that that are, are difficult to to de- detox from. And with the amount of heavy metals that we have in our environment um, and in our mouths, so a lot of people have amalgams and the continuous mercury exposure yes. um, is really hard on their, on a lot of their enzymes, you know, not just their just liver, it's just enzymes all, you know, all yes. over their body shuts them down. They're still doing amalgams, aren't they? They're still, they haven't, they should really stop <laughs> with what's, yeah. what's known now. It's yeah. amazing. The um, 2.5, now specifics. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 if you if you found that someone's two point five pathway is closed, what what are the first things that you do? So definitely everyone gets a set of blood labs. So there's a lot of different labs such as okay. liver enzymes, bilirubin, um, white blood cells. All these things are clues that there could be some in underlying inflammation. And then we have to go figure out what it's from. And again, we're looking at the foundational pieces. We start really, we start slow and we, I continue to go over these. When, I, when you say to someone, well, just eat a clean diet, people, that doesn't really mean much to someone who's eating fast food. Like what, what does that even mean? So we have to take it slow. You have to really see where the person's at and, and make sure maybe they are eating a ton of glyphosate and it's really shutting down their gut, their gut function's compromised, so many other things are compromised. Well, you start with introducing what is organic food, and that goes for water. So if they're drinking tap water, and if we pull up the city's water report, and it's pretty bad, you know, we want to look at some things that we could do, reverse osmosis, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can do to filter our water. Yes. The air, some people live, you know, when I moved down to Florida, I was concerned about um, different air quality and possible mold. So we're looking at, do you need an air filter in your house? Um, sleep hygiene, you know, are you up at night on your phone? Are, is your bedroom, are there, are there lights on? Really simple things that if we start to change, if we start to change what my partner, Dr. Eric Balkovich calls the allostatic load. If we start to, to dampen the load because every, every little thing adds to the stress, right? So if we, if we have them start eating better, okay, that's less stress on their body. Mm-hmm. If we start having, there's less stress on their body. If it's sleeping better, less stress on their body. And pretty soon, you know, these little steps really can free up the person to have better function of their body. Yes. So after we do labs, we'll, we'll take a look um, at gut function. So there's a lot of different ways you can look at gut, gut, gut function, stool testing, blood testing. Um, and, and see if there's anything going on there. And typically in your sick patients, there is something going on there. So we, you know, we, wanna, we don't ever want to dismiss the gut because it is the foundation of health. And then I'll do hormone panels to see if there's any excess bad estrogens because if there's no inflammation and their gut's perfect, but they have overwhelming amounts of bad estrogens, that will shut down phase 2.5. So we have to, we have, to have a strategy for that. 
We also have to have a strategy of, again, having that phosphatidylcholine, having the bile flow properly. And then we want to look at if someone does want to look at, I would say, genetics. So I'm really interested in genetics. Um, you know, again, certified in it. So I use it as a, another piece of the puzzle. It gives me another idea of where this person's weaknesses may be so that I can help bridge them. So if someone has the, um, again, PEMT SNP, if they have what's called the ACAT, A-C-A-T, that was one of those SNPs that were found in the Nutrigenetic Research Institute. Those were, those were found in the sickest of the sick, and that impacts acetylation, and acetylation is part of how you make bile. So if you're not even making bile, that's gonna be a problem. Um, so you, you, know, you can support biophysiology a lot, a lot of different ways. You can give them the conjugating, glycine and taurine. Um, again, you can give them bitters, you could give them, um, uh, you can have, have bitter food. Um, you can look up in the paper on my website and just look through um, a lot of things that help promote bile flow as well. So um, there's a lot of things that you can do. But again, I give them a questionnaire too. We, you know, we start off with a, a two hour history basically of what the patient has going on. Um, but when you start to fix these, these very foundational physiological processes, so many things get better. You don't have to band-aid so many things yes. when you get to the root of, of, of disease. It's interesting you've mentioned bad oestrogen before. I always thought there's just one type of oestrogen, and women have a lot and men have a little bit, and, and men have got predominantly testosterone. But what you're saying is that there's more. Obviously, I'm talking from the point of view of a layperson, but there's obviously different types of oestrogen. Yeah. And, but like cholesterol, there's a good and the bad and the ugly. Right, right. And a, and a skilled practitioner would be able to to do a t test such as the Dutch test, D-U-T-C-H. That's the test that I, I love. And yeah. it will, it'll stratify out your types of estrogens, and it'll show you if you have a predominance of the bad estrogens. And you want to know, because that can – predispose you to, to breast cancers and, you know, hormone sensitive cancers. And you can also see on this type of testing, how well you're methylating. So your audience may be familiar with methylation. So that's a phase two detoxification uh, process is the process of methylation. And you want to have that working well for so many reasons. So, um, so yeah, so definitely um, take, take a peek at, at the, the hormones on people if need be. Uh, a question from Karma Walker. She's asked online, um, Neo40, have you heard of that product? I use Neo40 every day. You use it. So I think that answers yeah. the question of um, whether you've got any thoughts on this product. Obviously, if you're taking it every day, then it's kind of okay. I wouldn't suggest everybody take it every day. I, I have specific you know, genetic issues where, I, you know, because now Neo40 has methyl B12 in it. So. Mm -hmm. I don't, nothing will be 12 across the board for everyone every day is not a good idea. You have to really oh. know your genetics, but there's, there's beet, there's beet powder in there and beet powder is, is, is really a very nourishing to the liver. Beet juice. I'm a fan, fan of a lot of things beet. So that's why I, I, I like Neo 40. How important is exercise <laughs> in detoxification? Oh, absolutely. It's very, it's very important. And we, you know, we have to physiologically 
uh, move our bodies. So our bodies crave that movement. And, you know, I don't know if there's any particular studies that show that detoxification other than when you're burning fat. So if you're in a, a lipolysis where you're burning the fat, the detoxification, you know, may be upregulated a little bit, but we know that in order to have healthy bodies, that's, that's just a great point that I um, hadn't, hadn't mentioned is exercise and movement um, to keep our, to, to keep our body just, you know, just working properly. There is that. But I'm also thinking, uh, Kelly, about the movement of the food and products through the intestines, the physical movement of if you're running it, the up and down movement. Um, I'm asking this question in particular because um, I've been introduced to um, self tummy massages every morning at night time. And I found that since then there's been quite a regular, a, a, a big change in one's regularity. <laughs> and it's, it's helped a terrific lot in that way. And so I'm thinking something mechanical whilst you're doing the exercises rather than just muscle tone and blood flow, whether it's the, the bouncing up and down, if you like, will also help the body um, move the products through the intestines. Yeah, definitely. And also help move the lymph. So right. uh, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you. And, and although visceral manipulation is, is not, it's out of my wheelhouse. It's out of the spectrum that I, I really am an expert in. I, I will have patients come in and say, I had a practitioner, they, they performed visceral manipulation. They showed me some movements that I can do yes. and I'm having a lot of success with it. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you, John. I think that's a really a great uh, thing to, to do. Now in your practice, you'll have lots of people coming in. Oh, not very well. And then you've applied your treatments to them to get their pathways open, their, their detox pathways open, the 2.5 wide open. What success stories really stand out? Like your own one. Yeah. Be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune, uh, autoimmune condition. There's nothing you can do about it, right? So it's a downhill slope from, you know, from the day of diagnosis. But you're living proof that it's not. Are there any other uh, examples of this in the patients that you've treated? Oh, definitely. So the biggest population that I, that I learned from is the SIBO population, so the small bacteria overgrowth. These pe people, despite the fact they're in the care of brilliant practitioners and practitioners are, are doing SIBO protocols to a T, it seemed like it was a SIBO revolving door. They'd get better, and then they just end up again with that SIBO, with that growth in their, their um, intestine. And going through all that the antibiotic treatment, it, it's just, it's, it's no way to live. And I have a couple of patients, you know, one comes to mind that what we did is we, we looked at how important bile flow is to keeping the bacteria in homeostasis. So bile is a sludgy, acidic, golden gift from God that keeps our <laughs> gut really optimized. It keeps the terrain healthy. Now think of if you don't have this sludgy golden material going through on a daily basis, what's yes. going to happen? That you're going to have the pathogens, the invaders take over. They're going to take over. So what we did is we stepped back and we just looked at optimizing that bile flow. That's all we were looking at and it really nipped it in the butt. We really, we change the terrain. I can't emphasize how important it is to, when you change your terrain, 
amazing things can happen. Yes. So, you know, and she had a lot of susceptibility. She had PEMT SNPs, so we needed to make sure she was eating foods that had a lot of phosphatidylcholine. She had ACAT SNPs, so we had to do a lot to support the con conjugation of bile, the acetylation. Um, and she also had, which is, this is kind of where we learn as practitioners, she had a genetic polymorphism in that transporter called the MRP2. So her transporter, her door was already mutated. She already was born with this predisposition to not be able to get toxins out very well. And for your listeners, that's the ABCC2. So hers was, you know, that I mean, it just made sense to me. So we really did things to help move the bile. She really said that she benefited from colonics, that that really helped her as, as well to have that, um, that support. And she also um, really liked coffee enemas. She felt that they um, were really helping to move, move the bile. Um, but we, we really hit inflammation hard. We went after that. Um, we did a lot of supportive things. And, you know, she's, she's so much, she's very appreciative. And she's one of my biggest fans. <laughs> so it's important to find someone knowledgeable and, um, with the expertise to lead you through the pathways because a lot of what you're saying is rather complex and it's not, it's really too much for the average person to really take on board and do themselves. So they need to be shown the way and given these supplements and, and guided. Yeah. Yeah. And well. I think that if, if you really look at the supporting phase 2.5, I think we talk about inflammation, right? And there's, a lot of things that we, you know, I do 90% 90, 90 of what I do, I do really well, but sometimes I do go and have like a piece of chocolate cake or sometimes I don't sleep very well and, and it causes inflammation. Sometimes I'm stressed out. So what can really help this process is to just inventory what foundationally we could do a little bit better, just a little bit better. And, and can, we sh can we shorten our, the window we're eating? Can we, can we do some time-restricted eating? Now, again, ask your healthcare practitioner. But if we can kind of narrow that down a little bit, that caloric restriction can help open up that 2.5. Okay. And when you're narrowing your window of eating, you, you will also give your, time, your gut time to repair and restore. When we're eating all the time, we're having snacks before bed, our gut never has a chance to repair and restore. So I practice, I don't eat after dinner around 6 p.m. And I don't eat until the following day, at least until 11. And that's mm -hmm. been one of the very significant things that's helped, helped me. Is That's called pushing autophagy. Yes. Autophagy is the cellular cleanup of our, of our body. And autophagy happens best when we're fasting. So I put myself in that time-restricted eating and select patients who I think that are, are, are good candidates for it. And I will... I will try and get that, that window taken down. And you can also um, help promote autophagy, you know, again, again with fasting, but resveratrol, lithium, and berberine are also nutrients that have been studied to help cellular cleanup, which is, I think, an important part of why I also was able to overcome my disease. If someone has got a high toxic burden and they start a fast, is it dangerous or can it be dangerous? I believe so, yes. Absolutely. 
the literature would support that. Okay, so they've got to do some things beforehand to prepare and probably uh, reduce the toxicity level prior to the fasting or... Yeah, and it, it, that's a, it's very delicate balance and there's no good way unless someone was taking your blood, you know, every couple hours to really know. But I would say that um, just using intestinal binders can help. So if you know that you're going to put more demand on your, on your, your detoxification systems, binding that, binding that so they don't, what, what's called enteropathic recirculation, they don't go in, you know, from your gut back into your bloodstream and then everywhere and wreak havoc, mm-hmm. havoc. using some of those um, can be helpful. They, they do bind medications and supplements, so you have to be really careful with intestinal binders. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Are there any products in the supermarket which you tell people avoid, just avoid completely? Uh, basically, you know, you shop the perimeter, right? So everything that is um, not boxed and not, I, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a certified nutritionist. I've definitely, you know, there's a lot of, um, of, of things that I'm still learning about, about nutrition, but I would say that whole foods, basically, you know, that that's the way that our bodies were designed. We weren't designed to eat these things that were packaged and processed and not everybody has the luxury of buying whole foods um, that are, um, and, and the time to prepare them. So I just tell people, just do, just do your best, do your best because if it's going to cause more stress for me to tell you that you can't eat this, 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 and that, that's going to cause inflammation. And then you're going to shut down your 2.5. So why don't we just back up? Let's not stress and just, just do the best that, that you can. I, um, definitely take, um, glyphosate very seriously though. And I, I really do give a list of the dirty dozen to my patients. That's from the environmental working group. If they're going to select uh, some produce that they try uh, and follow that because you just do get a lot of glyphosate from that. But um, there's nothing on, on the shelf per se that, um, that it's completely off limits. I'm not a fan of high fructose corn syrup. No. Uh, you know, there's, there's that as well. And, Food dyes are something that we do not do in my home. Um, with my children, we have some genetic uh, predispositions to making food dyes even um, more hard to detoxify. So um, that's just that's per- just personal from from my home. But yes. um, but it's good to know. It's good to know if you've got some form of disposition which has been you know, bought, uh, given to you by you know, nicely by your parents and grandparents so you, you're wary of this Do, does blood type as in o o minus does that play a part in the way that you approach someone for treatment so i i've studied the blood typing diet and really um you know i'm not i i don't i wouldn't say that i I, you know, I routinely do ask what their blood type is, but it's, I'm really looking at what can I eliminate that I know is causing gut dysfunction. So, you know, again, if they're eating high fructose corn syrup, if they're eating a lot of non-organic, if they're eating a ton of grains, or if I think that maybe lectins are playing a role in the gut inflammation, um, but blood typing, you know, it's something that I actually might take a peek at again. Um, but, but for right now, um, you know, and, and some people do wonderfully on it. So we're what, you know, is referred to as N of one, 
we're our own experiment. So I give people full reign when I say to eat an organic diet, try and do the best they can. I want them to feel good. So mm -hmm. if you're eating a diet and you feel really good and it's clean and it, you know, it resembles something that's not possible, then that's probably the best thing for you. Yes. Yes. Would an ozonator, water ozonator be a good thing for someone to buy? Because see, they've come down in price. Would, would one of those be good to take if you had experience with that? Yeah. If you have experience with, with ozonated water, um, you know, it can, you know, add, so ozone in itself can add to the oxidative stress in the body, but there's so many benefits to ozone. So I, there's practitioners will just give IV ozone to everybody or, you know, or just tell everybody to, you know, um, do rectal vaginal or in your, in your ear canals ozone. But um, I like to look at the SOD mutations, SOD, if there's any SOD mutations, you're going to have more inflammation, you, you are, could have more inflammation. So you kind of got to be a little bit careful, but I, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on that question uh, okay. across the board with, with ozonated water. Okay. Now back at the beginning, when you're telling your story, you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is, ex which is basically like a death sentence or certainly a death for life standard of living. Was that a misdiagnosis? Because then you talked about it was actually Lyme. So was that a misdiagnosis or was it truly a, the startings of multiple sclerosis? No, it truly was. So what was happening is that the Lyme was the cause. The yes. Lyme was, was setting it off. So yes. I was so blessed to be able to identify it. I had an amazing practitioner yes. uh, who thought outside the box and was treating Lyme. And I, I was told I didn't have Lyme um, by it one of the blood tests that are very good at it and she did m more in depth and we got at it really fast and i i um i had antibiotics and then i had to heal my gut from the antibiotics and you know you, you go through a lot when you have lyme you you mm. you do a lot of things that that bring your body a little bit down you know you, there's a lot of things like antibiotics that i needed them but they cause damage so i always talk about you put, you know, your house is on fire, you put out the fire, yes. but then you have to look and you have to see, okay, what do I need to put back together? What do I need to restore? And, um, and I think that's, that's case by case, what people need to restore. I still have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I still have an autoimmune disease. I'm able to, um, I'm able to manage it with foods and nutrition and, you know, staying away from gluten, staying away from um, foods that that spur on the autoimmunity. So I, I do a lot of things to quell the autoimmunity. Um, but but it, it's just a full strategy. Oh, it's great. Well, you went, you've basically well, you've won the battle, haven't you? Which is a which is you know, a glowing example for people that are watching this video now, and they may have been told they've got a condition which is there's, there's no no cure. There's no nothing you can do for it. I take some tablets and go home and spend more time with their family as as you were, but you're living proof that there is, there are things you can do. Would you say that your life, you're living life now as well as before or better than before? Before you Oh, absolutely better. Absolutely better. I, um, I grew up on Pop-Tarts and Cheerios. <laughs> oh, and paradise. Coke. 
and Diet Coke. And I, I really, you know, when you're young, you can get away with that, right? Yes. Uh, but I had fatigue. I had, I was an athlete in college and I still had, I was exhausted. I could hardly, you know, make it through class. And mm. I'm sure I had problems, you know, going on then, you know, with my biochemistry, I wasn't supporting my, the, any phases of detoxification. I was just toxing myself, making Mm -hmm. myself more toxic. So Mm -hmm. now I, I live as clean as I possibly can. Um, I'm really committed to managing stress because if everything in your life is perfect, perfect air, perfect water, perfect food, but that you're just living with so much stress you're, you're going to, it's going to take you down. It will physiologically take you down. So I employ, um, things like Annie Hopper's, um, DNRS. Um, that's a home program that I tell a lot of people I work with to do. It's a, an emotional, uh, program that helps support the, actually the limbic system of the brain. So it's actually very physiological, um, and a lot of different things. So, um, just, just take that part seriously because it can really impact your health. Okay, well, we're getting close to the end of the summer. If you can tell people where they can get some more resources for the detoxification process. Sure. So everything that I do is is uh, put up on my website. So my website, again, is all lowercase. It's D-R-K-E-L-L-Y beat lime. So D-R-K-E-L-L-Y B-E-A-T-L-Y-M-E dot com. I post my original papers on there, all the content of the seminars that I'm going to teach at, um, the conferences and, um, all the affiliates that I I work with, I posted on there. So you can look to that website to see where I am, what I'm doing, and you can, you can email me, um, questions on there and I'll try to get back to you, um, as soon as I can. Fantastic. Now we're talking to a very, um, sick young woman who is now talking at 10 o'clock at night. You've got your, you're the picture of energy. I'm the one that's supposed to be energetic. I'm only in the morning here and I'm, <laughs> you've got more energy than me. You look great. So, so what you're doing is truly working. So I'd like to thank you for the time and coming onto our program and explain to people how they can improve their health, improve, uh, decrease their toxicity levels and where they can get resources for more, more information. So Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on board. Thank you so much. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye.